Welcome to T.O. Price's Confident Conversations on Retirement. My name is Michael Davis, and I'm thrilled to be your host. I've spent my career working to help people build a durable retirement. It is such an honor to do this work, and an even greater privilege to be with the retirement experts here with us today. These professionals can help you feel more confident about your own retirement, whether you're planning for retirement or already there. This episode focuses on competing priorities and how people can save for retirement while also taking care of their many other financial needs. My guests today are T. Rowe Price experts Roger Young, a certified financial planner, professional, and contributor to Kiplinger, and Michael DeJoseph, a chartered financial analyst and published retirement author. Welcome to the show, Roger and Mike. Thanks. Good to be here. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. It is clear that people want to save for retirement, but research suggests that people may not save as much as they would like, especially in light of their competing financial obligations. They may not know where to put their next dollar. Sometimes this lack of clarity can feel overwhelming and be a confidence killer in terms of getting started or staying on track. So, Mike, let's start with you. Can you help set the stage for this conversation by outlining some of the basic but critical personal finance concepts that people should understand to better save for retirement while also balancing their other financial goals. Wow. Well, it can all be a bit overwhelming. So I guess that's why we're having the conversation today. We'll start simple. I would say the importance of starting early and the power of compounding in particular, uh, some of the tax advantages and the different features of certain types of accounts. Some of the other things we'll talk about today, I'm sure, debt management, budgeting, and then uh, Michael, the F word. Which is? Flexibility. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) The sensors that can relax. But yeah, seriously, I think flexibility is one that's crucial, but often underappreciated. Yeah, I like I like your comment about flexibility. And you know, Michael, you alluded to that, what do you do with your next dollar is, is a question we sometimes get. There's not necessarily one right savings hierarchy for everyone, not necessarily the, the same answer for everyone. So flexibility is important. Uh, but yes, you do have to go back to those those key concepts of the longer you have to save, the better you'll you'll get compounded returns, hopefully, and better set yourself up for the future. Well said. Thanks so much, Roger. So let's, uh, again, just stick with the basics. So how would you describe the difference between saving and investing? And I'll go to you, Mike. Thanks. Uh, Really simply put, I would say saving is you're working for the money and investing is the money's working for you. Right. So saving is you have the, the income and the expenses. It's what's left over and you're putting it to work. The investing is, again, putting that money to work for you to maintain the buying power and to help achieve other goals and try to maintain your purchasing power over time. Excellent. So as we all know, a lot of people struggle to manage their expenses. And budgeting was mentioned earlier in our conversation. So how important is budgeting? And are there other tools that people can use to manage their savings? Roger? Well, you know, I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial in our line of work. While budgeting is great, I recognize that budgeting can be very hard. It, it's a wonderful tool to manage your expenses, make sure you're prioritizing saving. But there are reasons why it's difficult for people. For one thing, you know, there are things that you spend on every week or every month, and, and those you can manage. Then there's stuff, you know, car repairs, vacations that only come up every several months or once or twice a year. I personally have been using financial software 
for about 25 years. I'm embarrassed to say how long that is. But yes, there was software 25 years ago. But even with that, I know a lot about my trajectory of my net worth and what I spend on things. But translating that into how you actually change your spending habits on a day-to-day basis is not easy. And I I still don't claim to be good at it. So I, I say that as encouragement, a confidence builder, if you will, for people out there who who might get frustrated or intimidated by budgeting. So if you're in that camp, start by just paying attention, right? Pay closer attention, I should say. Not like you don't pay any attention, but there are, there are apps out there who, that can help you if you at least get a sense of the cadence of how you spend and how much you need to leave at different times in the month for different expenses that are fixed. Take advantage of different accounts that you can put money into for different purposes. You know, that's probably easier now than it was in the past. So ultimately, you just want some tool, something that helps you to slow your discretionary spending before it starts keeping you from meeting your savings goals. Hmm. Well said, Roger. Mike, anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd say remember the power of habits and the power of starting small. So just making small changes here and there. And one tip that I've heard that that resonated with me is, especially for those of us who lack, uh, and I say us, who lack self-control, consider putting your bills and your savings kind of on autopilot. So make sure that that is coming out of your paycheck, that that those things are taken care of, uh, what we would call the non-discretionary expenses. And then if you want to take it a step further, ditch the credit card and use the debit card only for those discretionary expenses to make sure that you're you know, not adding credit card debt on top of all the other challenges that uh, we're talking about today. Excellent. And let's talk about those individuals under 30. We can all relate to that. We remember what that was like. (laughs) So what do competing financial priorities look like for people under 30 and decades away from retirement? So I'll start with you, Roger. Yeah, yeah, young people certainly have different demands on their money when you're under 30 or, or even over 30. You need to build an emergency fund. You might be paying off your own college loans and, and other debt. You might be saving for the down payment on a house. Those per- three examples in particular are ones that we have found are the biggest barriers to saving for retirement. We do a study every year called the Retirement Savings and Spending Study. And those were the three things most cited by millennials as challenges. It's okay to start slowly on saving for retirement, but you do want to get going, get started saving. And ideally then, like Mike said, put something on autopilot, automatically save, but not just that, but automatically increase the amount every year uh, so that you get up to what's an appropriate level of saving. That's great insight, Roger. How about you, Mike? Yeah, and this one hits a little close to home for me. I have two sisters who are both in their 20s. Neither of them work in the investment profession uh, like us. And I I think, you know, we don't do a great job of teaching financial literacy uh, to people growing up. And so I have this conversation pretty frequently. And for me, I, I said it early on, right, the importance of starting early, the importance of compounding. And if you if you kind of give examples with some of the numbers of, hey, if you start now versus five years from now, that might be the difference of retiring 10 years earlier than you otherwise would have. And those things really hit close to home, I think, when you put them in those terms. But at the end of the day, I guess the way I would look at it is it's really hard to take care of yourself 40 years from now at the expense of yourself today. And I think that's okay, right? So I do think it's important to enjoy the youth, to, to try to be smart about it. So it's all about the balance. Really thoughtful. 
Good luck to your sisters, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Roger, you mentioned earlier saving for college and college loans. Just curious, uh, what's the right balance between saving for college and retirement? And is it okay to reprioritize one over the other in the short term? Yeah, like many people in our, our business, you know, we, we generally advocate prioritizing retirement. And one you know, quick way to think about it is it's just a much bigger financial goal for most people than colleges. You're talking about supporting yourself for, you know, could be 30 plus years in retirement as opposed to, you know, spending for college for four or five, well, however many years it takes to, to get that college degree, but, but a, a shorter period of time and, and, a, and a smaller expense. So it is important, again, to get going with saving for retirement to make sure you're reasonably on track. Um, but you, you can do multiple things at once, and it, it's certainly reasonable to do both. Even if you're a little behind on your saving for retirement, you know, it's, you can make the choice to shift gears a bit and, and put more into saving for college. It's not a wrong thing to do. You, you do want to be aware that that's what you're doing and make a conscious choice. I will sometimes tell clients, you know, what you save in total is more important overall than, than how you allocate it between two different things. You've got different types of accounts that you use for those different purposes, but Ultimately, save more is the, is the first lesson. And then, yes, you can, you can tweak those. It's okay to, to make those adjustments, particularly as, as college is getting closer. It's a value thing. You know, be aware that, okay, I might be delaying my retirement or I might be scaling back my retirement if I'm increasing what I'm allocating in terms of resources to college. How about you, Mike? Any thoughts on that question? I would agree with Roger. I would just say, you know, keep in mind your priorities. For most people, you know, we're working to give our families and our children the the best chance of success that they can have and that future generations can have. So I would say don't miss the forest for the trees. And then the other thing, and I know, you know, Roger may disagree, and this is kind of controversial, but, you know, we would say we can't technically take out loans for retirement. Hmm. We're in an era of low interest rates uh, today. And so in a way, you can kind of delay that decision on prioritization. Uh, you can't do it in the opposite direction necessarily. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't really disagree with you. I mean, technically, you can borrow against a house when you're in retirement. You can get other types of loans. But but to truly fund your retirement, I'm completely with you. Yes, you can't fund your retirement through borrowing. You, you have to have some underlying assets there to borrow against. So, so yes, I, I would agree that retirement should be the higher priority. But it's not your only priority, and that's what we're talking about here. You know how to how to make those those uh, judgment calls. That's exactly right. Just trying to stir the pot and uh, create a little <laughs> entertainment for well, us here. Maybe we'll disagree on other things, but that one, I'm, I'm, I think we're I think we're good. We have made the assumption that saving for college is a goal of a lot of our listeners, but in some cases, it, it may not be. You have some families that don't have kids, or their kids may not be going to college. So, if saving for college isn't one of your goals, what are the other choices that uh, people would have to navigate, such as perhaps reducing debt or saving or other things? Yeah, I mean, certainly paying off debt is a great goal to have. And it, it depends somewhat on the type of debt. But if you have high interest rate credit card debt, absolutely big priority to deal with that problem. But then a lot of people will say, well, hey, you know, should I pay off the house before I retire? Should that be a top priority? I would say paying off a mortgage is a great goal. And I'm not going to disparage that at all. Just paying off your mortgage, though, that alone doesn't ensure a successful retirement. So again, there's some balance. There are some choices to be made. Mike, what are your thoughts on this question? Yeah, so I want to tell you uh, the story of what I would say is probably the worst investing decision 
I've made, yet I would do it again. Okay. And so what happened is that uh, several years back, I got married. I had some student debt. My uh, still wife, fortunately, very debt averse. So starting our relationship together, I made the decision I'm going to take a sum of money, pay off a, a large chunk of that student debt. Since then, I think the market's probably gone up, you know, double digits almost every single year. The interest rate on that debt was under 3% or so. And so I look back at it and I say, that was probably a terrible decision uh, that will even look worse over time as compounding kicks in over time. But kind of what Roger said, it's that peace of mind, right? And so I would do it all over again because it started us on a, on a journey together of talking about finances and, and making sure that we're actually meeting our goals. Mike, I think I think you hit on the key point. You, you're still wife. You are still married. <laughs> you you made a good, a, a perfectly reasonable decision. Maybe not optimal from a pure numbers standpoint, but uh, but yeah, there's 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 value to that too. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, Mike, why don't you tell us a few simple tips for people to stay on track with their retirement savings, even while they're trying to manage all these other competing financial priorities. First, you want to take a step back and reframe what retirement success even means to you. How do you know if you're on track or not if you don't know what you're actually working towards? And so is it retiring at a certain age? Is it a second act, right? You want to do something other than what you're doing today. That'll allow you to know, you know, how much do I need per year? Uh, what does that equate to in dollar terms? And am I on track to have that much, right? What market return might I require to actually reach that amount? And so Roger had mentioned uh, using software, or if you're working with a financial professional, uh, you know, there may be a way to actually turn that into a probability where it says this is your percentage chance of reaching that goal. So that's one. And then two, I would say a really simple tip is that I think one of the biggest barriers, we're talking about barriers here, one of the biggest ones is going to be lifestyle creep. All right. Again, this is, a, this is an equation. There's income and there's expenses. You can kind of control your income, right? I mean, you have some say in your in your... Uh, your career and your work and your aspirations and ambitions, but I'd say much more in your control is going to be the expense side of the equation. And so we say save your raise, for example. If you get a, a 4% raise one year, you know, save 2% of that. Increase that savings. And I think what you'll find is, you know, I mentioned early on the power of habits as well. And so if you can start those habits now, they're likely to persist through to retirement as well. So we talked about lifestyle creep as a barrier. Other barriers that we should be talking about that we've not discussed. Yeah, I would start with, you know, expect the unexpected and plan as best as you can for those things because it's bound to happen. And probably multiple times over most people's uh, investment horizon, whether it's market volatility or, or things outside of your own personal situation that affect your ability to meet your retirement goal, or if it's just things within your life, right? Uh, emergencies, whatever it may be. And so I'd say, you know, we talked about the F word, right? The flexibility. So I'd say maintaining that flexibility, uh, preparing for things to maybe not go exactly as to plan. And, and hopefully you can mitigate what we would call the tail risk, right? Which is the, the risk of something really bad happening, meaning your, your plan just completely blows up. I think we all know that, you know, it probably won't go exactly to plan, unfortunately. Oh, true. Roger? You know, you, you mentioned the, the unexpected and, and things happening. There's also a potential barrier kind of the, at the opposite end of the spectrum of change, which is inertia. And, and that can be a barrier, too. So one example would be, you know, if, if you're just getting started or, or say you're changing into a new job and your employer is good enough to automatically enroll you into your retirement plan, but they enroll you at, say, 4% of salary and you might just think, well, okay, that my employer said 4% is good enough. Great. I'm good. And then you leave it alone. And 
for most people, that 4% is not enough. You know, we, we at TRO recommend getting up to a 15% savings rate. Uh, so I would say be careful not just to accept things the way they are, and, and that's true in a lot of areas of your life, right? And, and same thing with, with saving for retirement. Do keep an eye on it. Make sure that you're not stuck in, in a rut that isn't meeting your, your needs. A lot of our conversation has presumed that people got the 30, 40-year horizon to save for their retirement, but not everybody has a start like that, right? They, life happens. For that audience that got a later start saving for retirement, what can they do to catch up? Mike? Yeah, I would start with go easy on yourself, right? It happens. And, and, and the reason that's so important uh, is that you need to turn this into a positive experience, not something that's a chore. It's like a, you have your list of chores, right? And you wake up and you don't really want to do them. This shouldn't be a chore. Picture yourself in retirement. Get excited about it. Think about what you're going to do. Uh, and I think you'll naturally find yourself devoting a lot more time and energy into to figuring out and planning on how to get there. Now, tactically speaking, there's the catch-up contributions and things like that, right? So there are some provisions in the tax code where people, as they get closer to retirement, can perhaps contribute a little more to the extent they can, to, to tax-advantaged accounts. And then the other one, I would say consider your, your asset allocation and your risk tolerance, so meaning your, your breakdown between stocks and bonds and cash at the highest level. Consider that with a little more nuance than you otherwise might. And what I mean by that, you know, a riskier portfolio, you're going to have higher returns, generally speaking, over time. Obviously not a guarantee, but there are trade-offs to that. Mike, I like that you mentioned the, you know, the catch-up contributions. We often think in the business, well, that's a great opportunity to ramp up your savings, and it kicks in when you're 50, which is not a bad time to be rethinking certain things in your life anyway. It's, it's a nice milestone. Now, that said, there's nothing magical that you hit that point and, ooh, all I can automatically just save you know, five, $6,000 more than I could in the past. So it, it should perhaps be coupled with other things and, and look for opportunities where okay, I'm no longer paying for the kid's college. That's done. I can now redirect some of that money and, again, not have the lifestyle creep, not, uh, not spend all of that. Or I, I have paid off the car or I've you know, even paid off the mortgage. Awesome. Great. You've, you've done that. Um, yes, redirecting some of that money. It, it's nice that the, the tax code gives us these little reminders to do things and the ability to do them in a, in a tax-efficient way. But also, you know, just think about your life and, and how to uh, – how, how to take advantage of, of different phases of life. Yeah, I think that's an interesting framing. We kind of think of it in terms of income cliffs, right? You stop working and your income goes down. This is kind of, uh, we call it like a spending cliff. A good cliff. Yeah, a good yeah. cliff. <laughs> Agreed. Mike, how often should people reevaluate their financial plans and when they want to retire now? Yeah, I would say, I mean, just as a rule of thumb, I would say look at it annually. And I think even more importantly, use it as, uh, as an opportunity if you have a significant other, if you have family involved in it, use it as an opportunity to have those conversations and to kind of plan together. And then beyond that, I mean, the big one is re-examining this all the time as life comes at you, as things happen, as those emergencies come up, as those unexpected things come up, or even as the expected things come up, mm -hmm. right? Roger had mentioned the, uh, you know, the expenses are rolling off. That's an opportunity to revisit this, to revisit your life. You know, maybe the, the uh, I know this hits close to home for both of you, the college bills <laughs> start coming due, right? So maybe you're looking at a little more frequently. But um, if you're fortunate enough to have a period of time where the unexpected is not happening, I'd say probably look at it annually. 
And do you think with life events that there should be a reevaluation with life events, uh, birth of a child, marriage, those kinds of things as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, beyond beyond just retirement, right? We're talking about retirement savings today, but those types of things change everything. And I think that's the importance of planning and, you know, not just looking at investing as an investment portfolio, but as kind of a holistic uh, set of goals and a, and a plan to actually help reach those goals. And, and again, the, the investment portfolio then becomes the means to an end not the end itself. Yeah, the life events are important. And I, I liked your framing of uh, as a rule of thumb once a year. You know, obviously, you're, you're going to plan for things like having a child or getting married. Um, but you might not do as much financial planning as you'd like. If, if you at least set that discipline to look at things once a year, you won't get too far out of whack before you rein things back in and you know, make, some, make some intentional decisions on, on how, to, how to go forward. We've covered just a terrific amount of information and insight for listeners. Uh, Any key takeaways you would want to leave with the listening audience on where they should start this process of setting these priorities and being able to balance them? I'll start with you, Roger. You know, that this podcast is about confidence. I wanted to reemphasize, you know, our research has shown that the single largest factor that drives confidence in a person's financial future is that person's amount of retirement savings. So the takeaway would be, even if it's challenging at different parts of your life, different times, we'd encourage you to save consistently. It doesn't need to be the same percent every year, but keep putting away something towards retirement. That should help grow your confidence and, again, build some momentum. Like Mike said earlier, it's a lot easier to focus on something if you don't just go into it dreading and feeling like it's hanging over you. So build up that confidence and, uh, and build up some momentum. How about you, Mike? I would say coming out of this, I hope our listeners understand there's no one right answer, right? Michael, you're asking these questions, and we're not saying yes or no. We're not <laughs> saying this is the definitive answer. It's it's different for everyone. Uh, try to find some semblance of balance uh, with all of this stuff and try to maintain flexibility. It's hard to believe, but our time is already up. Uh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. And I, I think before we go, it'd be great to leave our listeners with just one final thought, one action step you think they can take to sort of move down this path of being able to manage their competing financial priorities. And Roger, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's hard to have it all. So my tip would be choose your priorities. That'll help give you confidence that you've made a conscious decision and you can go after it and you can have confidence in achieving those goals. Thank you, Roger. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I would say if you haven't started yet, start today. If you have, see if you can just increase your savings rate by 1%. The other thing I would say is is consider your asset allocation with a little more nuance than you otherwise might. And what I mean by that, uh, you may be tempted to take on more risk uh, because you think, you know, I'm starting late Therefore, I need the higher return to reach that goal. And so, you know, for some, that may be okay. uh, But I think you just need to approach that uh, decision with a little more nuance. Just a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Roger, Mike, for joining us today. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having us. Great to have you guys here. Again, I'm Michael Davis. I want to thank you for listening to Confident Conversations on Retirement. Be sure to join us for our next episode that focuses on the unique challenges that women face when planning for retirement. If you like this podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, be well, and I wish you all many confident tomorrows to come. T. Rowe Price, Retire with Confidence. 
This episode of Confident Conversations on Retirement is provided for general and educational purposes only and is not intended to provide legal, tax, or investment advice. This podcast does not provide recommendations concerning investments, investment strategies, or account types. It is not individualized to the needs of any specific investor and not intended to suggest any particular investment action is appropriate for you, nor is it intended to serve as a primary basis for investment decision-making. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. This information is not intended to reflect a current or past recommendation, investment advice of any kind, or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment services. The material has not been reviewed by any regulatory authority in any jurisdiction. The opinions and commentary provided do not take into account the investment objectives or financial situation of any particular investor or class of investor. Investors will need to consider their own circumstances before making an investment decision. Copyright 2021 T. Rowe Price, All Rights Reserved T. Rowe Price, Invest with Confidence, Retire with Confidence, The Bighorn Sheep Design, and Confident Conversations, collectively and or apart, are trademarks of T. Rowe Price Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. T. Rowe Price Investment Services Incorporated, Distributor. T. Rowe Price Associates Incorporated, Investment Advisor.